I'm the king of rock. There is none higher. Sucker MCs should call me sire. To form my kingdom, you must choose fire. I won't stop rocking till I retire. Now we rocked up party and come correct. All cuts are on time and rhymes connect. Got the right to vote and we'll elect. And other rappers can't stand us, but give us respect. Okay, well, you know. Let's get into the year that uh, Stranger Things is portraying <laughs> on Netflix right 1985. now. 1985. It's, uh, you know, but they do it. They're, they're very lighthearted in their portrayal of that era, You're, you know? You mean Stranger Things? Yeah, yeah, yeah because uh, in the 1985, uh, they, they don't really hit the, the, the real headlines. Like when the police department in Philadelphia bombed uh, an entire city block to... Um, to get rid of the move activists and killed eleven uh, African American activists in the in, in the move headquarters, and wow. uh, uh, in the results of this bombing of an entire city block uh, left sixty one city residents homeless. And if you want to hear more about that, you can you know Wikipedia Momia Abdul Jamal Abu. Abu. That's, that's right. <laughs> Thank you guys for Free helping me Momia. out here. Free Momia. Yes. That was a big thing in college. Still a big thing today. Yes, it was. Yeah. Still on death row, I think. Um, a brilliant journalist who is uh, a political prisoner in the United States. 1985. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ronald Reagan was reelected, you know, so he, he's coming back in for his second term, which is kind of like the uh, 2020 nightmare. Ugh. We'll have a, a repeat of that. Not to bring things down, you know, the 80s were also a great time period for pop culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Toys. Yeah. Cartoons. Toys and kids. Yes. I'm sticking to this since, I mean, I, I was a child of that era. Yeah. Uh, best toys and games ever, as uh, far as generationally speaking. Dude, the Nintendo came out uh, for mass appeal, for mass uh, consumption in the U.S. Yep. around that time. Yeah. I got so, one. I yeah. had one as well. Yep. Yeah. Picked that- it up at Ikea. Oh, really? Oddly oh, enough, yeah. Ikea's existed in 1985? It was one of the first ones, yeah. Oh, I did Out, not know that. Outside of, somewhere in suburban D.C. Um, and, uh, yeah, I went, I went to go get an Atari 1600, and I think I told this story before, but my dad was like, what about this one? And I was like, yeah. And I got the robot. Oh. Gyromite, or not, what's that thing? What's the robot was uh, Robbie the robot. We've had this exact discussion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Since back, yeah. That's right. No, well, you know, it's been a while since people have listened to that. Uh, That's true. Our other 1985 episode. So uh, yeah, if Robbie I don't was a big it, deal. How will they? How will they? <laughs> right, right. They're not binging all of our episodes back to back to back to back to back. Other other stuff. Kids were rocking. Swatch watches. Swatch. Uh, She-Ra, Princess pa- Princess of Power action figures. Care Bears. Teddy Ruxpin. My Little Pony. Uh, pound puppies. Uh-huh. Remember Pound Puppies? Yeah, what a sad uh, <laughs> idea for a toy. They're like, here are the throwaway dogs that we're going to put to sleep unless you buy one now. But didn't you get like a lot of throwaway kind of characters that people loved? Like, I'm thinking of Fievel, like. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. he was, he was a, a political refugee. Right. He, he, he was. Escaping he was. cat pogroms. He was a just... <laughs> <laughs> a humbler mouse, a humbler yeah, mouse Jewish version of uh, right. Tony Montana. <laughs> yeah, that movie is so burned into my brain. I saw it maybe twice when it came out. American and, Tale. Uh, yeah, and then it was a big deal in DC. But uh, looking back, uh, American Tale was not a hit. 
It wasn't. Yeah, a lot of people don't get that reference. Right. We all saw that in the theater at that age. In D.C. maybe specifically. Right. We were politically inclined. I feel like our woke (laughs) teachers, regardless of what side they were on, were mandated to take uh, us Uh, to go see it. I think the Holocaust Museum was uh, founded directly after that. Because you could either be like like an arch conservative Mm -hmm. who's... Very pro uh, a, a militarized Israel. You you could go see that movie to justify that. Sure. But then also, if you're on the like Amnesty International, like um, right. sort of without borders side mm-hmm. of um, humanitarian aid, you you're deep- also going to watch that film. So it's mm-hmm. like it hit that sweet spot where it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like Republicans and Democrat mm-hmm. um, ideologues are going to take their kids to see that film. Deeply affected by the mouse diaspora. <laughs> Or just the American dream. Yeah. Right. It's also, pro, right. yeah, it is pro, uh, pro settling the U.S. Yeah. Because uh, we're all immigrants, people. Yes. That's right. We're all settlers. We're all colonizers, mm-hmm. mm. you know, so, or immigrants, mm. you know, again. And then a, a weirdly interesting note, a gentleman named uh, Roberto P. Hernandez was jailed for a robbery he did not commit. Um, the authorities confused him with another man because the two had the same name, birthday, weight, height, brown hair and eyes, and tattoos in their left arms. The only difference between the two men, their social security numbers, differed by one digit. Oh, wow. That, that was the only difference. Yes. Yeah. That's how he got off. Wow, dude. I mean, he, it, that also seems as though multiple dimensions do exist. Yeah. And this guy mm. was just like a dropped-in, uh, yeah. like Rick and Morty iteration. <laughs> I, think, I thought of it more of a, an Arnold in Terminator 1. Just <laughs> dropped through a portal. Yeah. Or into the Spider-Verse. Right. The Spider-verse. There you go. <laughs> Which, uh, by the way, uh, as always, this is Gabe Pacheco uh, here with the E Pray Judge podcast. And I am, uh, you know, as always, um, hanging out with, with my main man, my partner in crime, uh, on mic number two, Mr. Sammy Hamarne. That's right. And we've got a, a guest on mic three today, uh, one of my favorite people, another story pirate, mm-hmm. uh, the one and only Mr. Cedric Lilly. That is me. Hello, everyone. I'm Cedric Lilly. <laughs> That's right. And so Cedric, also an 80s baby, so yes, excited yes. that we are talking about Thank this God. era <laughs> with someone who was born in the era. Yeah. Yes. I'm the oldest kind of millennial. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're you're almost Gen X. I'm almost Gen X. Yeah. Yes, and uh, but as a millennial, you know, you're you understand tech. No. You're an optimist. You're a poptimist. <laughs> yes, I am. Optimist yes. Prime. Yeah, I'm a poptimist. Prime. <laughs> That's right. Beyonce will save us. <laughs> she is. She will be president. <laughs> Twenty thirty. Which is, uh, I think, more of a millennial take than a Gen X take, which is like whatever, man. Yeah, I feel like that would Pepsi be... and Coke, bro. Beyonce running would get white women out to vote. <laughs> yes, that's true. Probably, uh, hopefully, vote for the right person this mm-hmm. time. Fifty-one mm. percent of you voting for the wrong person last Shame. time. Blanquitas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we're um, Thundercats. Uh-huh. What? Speaking about aliens yep. colonizing another planet. Oh, that's very interesting. A bunch of felines showing up, <laughs> crashing their uh, their Thundercat palace. Spaceship on Mumra's planet. Mumra, just a just a friendly mummy, <laughs> trying to live his best life, and these these cats come. And they, isn't it interesting that they're cats and not like friendly dogs or or you know, right? Not an uppity uppity animal. Right, cats, <laughs> yeah, selfish, exactly. aloof, 
on their own, trying to establish their own state on this planet. Without capitalists. Without parlaying with the, uh, with the people that already live there. Mumra, mm-hmm. the native indigenous monster. <laughs> Codependent capitalists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, only one lady. Only one. Chitara. Mm-hmm. The re- what are the rest? Are these uh, asexual or hermaphroditic They're alien me- cats? I felt like there, was, there was something between, uh, was it Lino? Lion. And Tigro? No, no, Lino and... Didn't they have a thing? Uh, oh, well, or I you guess just automatically the... assume that the two alphas of each, spe- uh, of each uh, gender are automatically linked. Yeah, I used to think that uh, Papa Smurf and Smurfette, Smurfette had a thing only because she was the only woman and they were, you know... Daddy That's issues. right. Yeah, maybe, yeah. So I watched an episode of, well, the Smurfs are sex asexual creatures, mm-hmm. or they were, mm-hmm. and then I can't remember exactly what it was, but my... Uh, my unreliable narrator memory is thinking that at one episode they decided they were lonely because they didn't have an Eve. You know, they didn't have a lady character. So uh, she was magically created uh, later in the game. <laughs> you know, a Smurf, uh, Papa Smurf cast a spell and they created a Smurfette. Mm. And yeah, then. She wasn't in the original French cartoons. That's right. Think. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who, and I'm, and I'm also going to make this up, but it might be true that they were based on the Seven Deadly Sins. The original Smurfs. Yeah. Vanity. So you, sleepy. Oh. Fatty. <laughs> fatty. <laughs> fatty Smurf. <laughs> His struggles with portion control. Right. <laughs> Type 2 diabetes. Yeah. Genetics. It's like no matter yeah, how, gland, how much you eat, you'll never fill that hole. Yeah. Fatty. Smurf. <laughs> that hole in your heart can't he be filled the... with icing. <laughs> Fatty. Yeah, so uh, I don't remember all the Smurfs' names, but you know what I mean. Sure, they're they're, they're basically the seven dwar- the blue sweat seven dwarfs. Yeah, and one of them, one of them, Vanity uh-huh. was yeah. He always carried a mirror. He always carried a mirror, but was he also the one with the flower in his hair? In his yes. Hat? Okay, I'm a gay person. Yes. Uh, self identified, self identified gay person, uh, and growing up. Just that character was just so weird to me because because back then I knew, kind of knew that being gay wasn't okay. I'm saying that in quotes. Sure. Well, this was the 80s. Right. In 1985, to Less be exact. okay. Yes. Still cool. barely okay in some places. Yeah, I, I'm doing all right. I'm doing yeah. all right. Pride Month is popping this, this no, year, It dude. was extended this year. Did you notice? Yeah. Uh, but it's just – I was just like every – but it was weird because everybody accepted him. Yeah. Uh, and I just wasn't – I wasn't used to that. Hmm. You mean in, in, in Smurf in, Village? No, not in Smurf Village, but just in, in – Societally. Uh, societally and uh, on television, in films. You just People just didn't accept that kind of person or that kind of character automatically. You had to kind of know who that person was to accept them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because it was a cartoon, he was kind of a shallow character. Right. I always, Literally yeah. a shallow character. I always thought she was just kind of an asshole. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that too. I never once questioned his sexuality, or even thought about it. Sure, in my mind. You know who I didn't like? The brainy Smurf, the <laughs> one with the sure. pencil behind his ear. Shut up, smarty pants. <laughs> Pretentious. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Nerds hadn't won yet. That right. was the thing. Right, right. Now he would be the he'd be the star of oh, the show. Have a great. Time. He'd be the he'd be the disruptive. Yeah. 
app designer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'd be paying forty three hundred dollars a month for a two, one bedroom in San Francisco. Right. right. Yes. They'd be like, they'd be like, Brainy doesn't need to make eye contact or recognize mm-hmm. facial micro expressions, guys, because he's going to save us with tech. And he's also woke. He's super woke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know who makes him woke though? Smurfette makes him woke. Mm. She's constantly showing up with a think piece for him to read. <laughs> and then every episode is him being like, I don't quite understand. I don't empathize yet. And then oh. by the end of it being like, I understand now. Yep. Vanity mm. Smurf, I accept you. Well, she's, she's clearly <laughs> grooming him. I mean, she's probably going to flirt and, and have like a fling with uh, strong Smurf or Van- Vanity Strong- Smurf. Strongy. Right, Strongy. I'm not sure. <laughs> Muscles. Definitely not the name. <laughs> Muscly. Uh, but yeah. she's probably going to marry Rainy. Yeah. You know? uh, I like, let's call Strong Smurf Roidy. 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 I like yeah. it. Yeah. He's got a faux hawk underneath his uh, little white hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he, he also has a male tramp stamp. <laughs> Anabolic. Anabolic Smurf. Anabolic <laughs> Smurf. He's, he's always carrying around a, a, a protein shake. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> pre workout. Uh, so the Smurfs, we, we've done it. Uh, the Smurfs, big deal. Yep. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. What are we here to talk about? We are here to talk about what happens when someone decides to smoke PCP <laughs> while listening to everybody was kung fu fighting <laughs> in front of their IBM'd Selectric typewriter. I love that description. If you get wet and listen to Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting, you might write the script to The Last Dragon. The cult classic. Yeah, this is a cult classic. And Cedric, by the way, thank Mm -hmm. you so much for bringing this movie into my life. Now, I have seen images of Show Nuff before on t-shirts, but I had no idea what this was about. And Uh so... You know, I feel I feel like a square right now. You've never seen this before. I've never seen. You've this seen before. this before. Oh yeah. Oh, excellent. I, I think I'd watched it over the course of like fifteen years as a youth in yeah. pieces on Sunday matinee theater on Fox Five. Exactly. But I don't think I'd ever watch it. I've seen every scene in this movie before, mm-hmm. but I feel like I watched it. You know, out of sequence. Mm-hmm. But I'd seen everything, and I'd, I'd watched it. I mean, I, I knew the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, God, I remember the scene. I remember the scene. I remember the scene. Yeah. Uh, so over the course of a long period of time, I had collectively watched all of them uh and this was my first run through all the way through excellent congratulations top to bottom thank you welcome (laughs) yeah so you'd seen it so sammy you had seen this on tv or oh yeah yeah it was on fox 5 like on sundays all the time that's how i saw it growing up too it was on maybe once every other week or something like that literally Mm -hmm. that jaws or uh tron yeah all in the same yeah well, I would watch Channel 50 in D.C. I think that's what I watched uh, for Saturday primetime. And WB? I, yeah, and I, it was always Death Wish. <laughs> Death Wish 2 or The Warriors. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. See, those are great films. Or Bad Boys starring oh. Sean Penn. Interesting. Oh, not, not the, Morales. Oh, the, yeah. the 80s Bad Boys. Right. The 90s Bad Boys. Right, right. The 80s. Yes. But this, um, for whatever reason, I, I always, I guess I always missed this when mm. it came out. Mm. I didn't even know that it was in the theater. It was, nobody ever said, Gabe, you need to watch The Last Dragon. Mm. So They but, probably assumed you had already seen it. That's right. Yeah. Well, I loved karate stuff. This was right up my uh, alley, like right during this time. You know, I was just uh, f- just uh, jump kicking people, trying to sweep people's legs. Yeah. You know, me and my brother had uh, geese, uh, pajama geese. Oh, I had a right. red one. He had a white pair. And we watched uh, Karate Kid and had the little uh, slippers. Uh-huh. We this tried to sneak around like we were ninjas in the, in the house. I, I had the slippers, the, the little Chinese slippers, too. 
Yeah. And just slippers. So this was basically Barry Gordy's version of uh, Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that movie. Sure. Not familiar. No? No. See, that one was on the exact same era. Okay. A little bit different. Same Kung Fu Master, I think, was in both movies, though. The same actor? I'm almost po- – it's very close. I'll show oh. you a picture of him okay. at the end. Okay. It's a, un- un- an uncanny resemblance. Yeah, of an Asian stereotype. <laughs> so many stereotypes in this movie. I mean, it's so incredible. So many stereotypes. But you know, when you've got all sorts of uh, people who are not at the top of the food chain in uh, the pyramid of white supremacy, mm-hmm. you know, what? How? How? Uh, how problematic is it for all these stereotypes to be out there? That's a question I had, which we can talk about now or later. Which was the? Uh, how, what did this movie do for Asian American African American relations? Yeah. You know what? You could either argue that it pulled them, pushed them apart, or <laughs> brought them together. <clears throat> because there's, I mean, you have our main character Bruce Leroy, yeah, who's kind of appropriate, not kind of appropriating a culture, but but uh, in the <laughs> he was eating uh, popcorn with chop- chopsticks. I wrote that down. I wrote that down. Wrote that that is down. not subtle. I guess not. Also, quite difficult. Yeah, but it would take you three so weeks deftly. to finish. Yeah, sure. He was doing it so definitely. Doesn't that show his skill? That's kind of like when Danielson yes. snapped the fly exactly. up with the chopsticks in uh, Karate Kid. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. but you have uh, what year was Karate Kid? Was it right before this? I think it was eighty four. Okay, okay, right. Yeah, uh, capitalizing Barry Gordy. We'll, we'll get in, we'll talk about him in a minute. Oh uh, yes. Uh, he, uh, uh, Bruce Leroy is, <laughs> and his name is Bruce Leroy, probably yeah. given Bruce. Uh, it's Seth either Bruce Leroy or it's, uh, it's Leroy Green. So right. his, his, his government name, his, go- his government name is Leroy Green. Right. Yeah. And fuck the government. So yeah. whatever you name yourself is what you really are. Right. But he, he's <laughs> appropriating a culture, but also you have later in the film, three Asian guys appropriating black culture. Uh, what a fun sketch that was. That, that feels like it was a mad TV sketch that just inserted blew into this. My, watching it as an adult, right. it blew my mind. My favorite cameo in the film was in that. Yes, it's the guy. I don't know who it is, but it's the guy standing in the back. No, the middle dude uh, of the three uh, Asian uh, breakers. Uh, who's uh, rocking a koofy. Yeah, uh, Henry Yuck, a Brooklyn native, who was also, who played... Uh, uh, Steve Buscemi's boss in The Sopranos, the dry clean owner, the dry cleaning owner. That's why he was familiar. That's to a me deep now. cut. I actually researched it. What well, I mean, yeah. it not, took me not to get off topic. Took me five minutes to figure there that out. There are some famous, famous faces in this. Oh movie. yeah, we can talk about the cameos. Yeah, we can get. Uh, we're going to hop into all this stuff. So for anybody that hasn't seen The Last Dragon, break though, it down very quickly. This is a coming of age story. This is the story of a man who was a boy who has now become a man. It is the story of Luke Skywalker going from being a young Padawan to becoming a Jedi Master. Mm. It is, and, and in this story, we've got a, uh, Le- uh, what, what's his name? His name is... Leroy uh, Skywalker? Bruce Leroy Skywalker. <laughs> Green. Green. Uh, trains uh, judiciously on mm-hmm. a barge uh, overlooking the Manhattan skyline with his sensei. And at the beginning of the film, he is uh, kicked out of the nest. Which the song that's playing during this training montage talks about yes. getting kicked oh, out of the nest. Word for word. Word for word. Almost Thank like you. it was written. Barry yes. Gordy. <laughs> Thank you, Barry Gordy, for yeah. this whole soundtrack. And uh, so, so he, gets, uh, he gets pushed out of the nest, and now it's his job to go find uh, the next sensei who will teach him how to glow green. 
how to um, you know reach the next level in his practice. And on this uh, journey, he meets uh, Vanity, uh, <laughs> and he falls in love with a uh, an electro funk goddess. Yo, who runs her goddess. own video show at a club called uh, Seventh, Seventh Heaven, Heaven yeah. and uh, he has to he has to battle um, really the king of the streets, the Shogun of Harlem, Shonuf, to gain uh, supremacy in his uh, martial arts community. But he also has to battle this uh, mob boss, uh, Eddie Arcadian, who is trying to muscle his way in. On uh, Vanity's um, show on Seventh Heaven, mm-hmm. so that's that's it. He's got to beat these people. It feels like a video game where he's leveling up, but he also doesn't feel like he is the master yet. He still feels like he's a student, and he has to find the master. It's it's man in search of God, and uh, or or yes. the wizard. If you think about it, yes, this movie had some whiz vibes to me. Totally, he's the fool searching for mm-hmm. the wizard totally. or the the apprentice. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know the message is universal. We'll hop to that very quickly, and then the message is that uh, there is no God. God is dead, and you and he <laughs> is the master. And the yeah. only thing that our our man, our uh, prince Leroy Bruce Leroy <laughs> had to discover is that he is the master. And once you realize that. You have all the power. Right. So you go from completely ethnically confused to uh, just straight-up hardcore cultural you, appropriation. Yeah. 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 He is He-Man. Yeah. Once he realizes that he yes. has the power, yep. he's He-Man. Yeah. He is uh, Lion-O. Once Lion-O realizes that he has the power, the, the Thundercat. Yeah. yeah. Two, two stars in this movie. <laughs> Both one name, Vanity. And uh, this guy's name was Tamika. Tymac. Tymac. Tymac, sorry. Tymac, yes. Sure. Who was uh, Madonna's personal um, uh, trainer, uh-huh. kung fu trainer, mm-hmm. after this film. <laughs> Just had this image of Madonna doing kung fu. Born sure. and raised like, in really L.A. Well. Uh-huh. Born and raised in L.A. Yep. He also did, he kind of got famous again maybe 15 years ago because he did an off, a really popular off-Broadway production of Roadhouse. He did. Where he played Kurt Russell. Yep. Uh, no, Patrick Swayze. Patrick, Easy. We reviewed that one. Yeah. Roadhouse. People love it. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I love <laughs> Careful with Roadhouse, man. My bad. Yeah. Was it a musical version of Roadhouse? I think it was a musical. <laughs> Why was that movie not called Roundhouse? Anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, what a fun. Uh, that's fun. Also, so, he calls himself Bruce Leroy because he idolizes Bruce Lee. Sure. Who didn't at that point? Yeah. In this and, movie. And also, who, like, this is another. You know, cultural appropriation thing. Kung fu movies are extremely popular, have been for a while in the in the African American community. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, well, it's also. I mean, there's a one huge reason for this is if anybody who's into third world liberation mm-hmm. or any like a post colonial uh, struggle against the empire, it's uh, very difficult. Uh, in the system of white supremacy, you've got these heroes that we look up to, and it was like, well, who were they? Like John Wayne. Like if you're right. brown or black and you're watching the movies, you're like, okay, it's always going to be some like cowboy who's killing Indians who right. I'm watching to to identify with. Right. And then Bruce Lee comes out uh, during the Vietnam era, and it's like, oh, now there's this counterexample. There's this Asian like role model, this archetype for masculinity that's out there kicking ass. Hell yeah, that's who we're that's who we're backing. And we even have that now. We were talking about this earlier. We have that now with Miles, Miles Morales. Morales. Yes. Yeah. Who? We just we watched uh, the new S- Spider-Man into the Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Yes. 
Absolutely, and we were we were talking about that movie before this started. Anybody that hasn't seen it, like, blew me away. Best Spider-Man movie right. ever. I've ever seen. I mean, I think Bruce Lee globally was probably the most famous movie star in the world for some uh, at sure. some point. I mean, in the seventies and eighties, I remember growing up when I was visiting uh, my mom's family in Damascus. There was a huge kung fu culture, where mm. I was taking classes there because I would stay there for three months during the summer, and me and my uncles would watch Bruce Lee movies. I mean, yeah. He was that star. Right. He was the most relatable to every other, you know, ethnic <laughs> enclave. <laughs> you know, no one wants to see John Wayne shooting drunks and chain smoking. Right. Fuck that guy <laughs> and his bullshit. <laughs> right. So we got yeah, uh, and Bruce Lee is the the basically the the seed that uh, that created the entire this tree. We can go with that metaphor. <laughs> His what he's done is branched out and uh, and given us everybody else from like Jackie Chan yeah. to Jet Li to the modern martial arts movie. All of them, even John Claude Van Damme. Right. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. I can't remember his name. Chuck, right. Norris. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris kicked his ass in a movie. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, that's right. Also, Kareem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> oh, that's they right. battled. Yeah. Yeah. He sparred with everybody. He was so, uh, a dynamo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think this movie even uh, breathed more life into the Bruce Lee mythology for people in the city because you're like watching in New York, like you're watching this. And after I watched this, I thought, oh, I gotta watch Bruce Lee movies again. Mm-hmm. You know, and I the Last Dragon. I thought that that when people said, "Have you seen the Last Dragon?" I automatically thought Bruce Lee movie. Right, and. Uh, we when, can probably thank him for Wu Tang Clan in some way or another. Dude, you can thank this movie for Wu Tang Clan. Partially, though. yeah. And yes. they don't even reference this. No, but they should. Oh, I feel like they may. Somebody does. Buster Rhymes definitely references one of the yeah. Killer Bees affiliates. Probably does. sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's automatically down. But I've been watching the other films. All these movies are on Netflix right now. The Five <clears throat> Deadly Venoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah. And yeah, rewatching yeah. that made me uh, listen to Thirty Six Chambers with New Ears because uh. I'm like, oh hell yeah, Toad Style. Oh yeah, you get all of the, every reference from those movies. We we, used to, we watched them in the '90s. Sure, the Flying Guillotine. Yep. Oh man, I love that one. Yeah, Drunken Monkey. Yeah, I love yeah. that drunken style though. That's my favorite. So fun to yeah, watch. There's a really good one with Jackie Chan. Uh, I think. It's oh, I know what you're. Drunken Master. Yeah, Drunken Master. Legend of Drunken Master, which is great. really cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah, and that style actually that style actually works. I was watching these like uh, boxing uh, videos, greatest hits boxing videos, and there's a couple boxers that use like a drunken style yeah. where they like. You mean like American boxing? Yeah, oh. it's insane. I'll send you links uh, yeah. after this. Yeah, please. But um. But the, but some people it's rarely used. But some people use this like wobbly woozy way of uh, their stance. I mean, it's a risk reward situation. There. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Very high risk. Like, it's like <laughs> yeah. keeping your hands down, <laughs> or just or just leaning your face towards yeah. the other. You know, Go ahead, yeah, I dare you. Oh, it infuriates. Them. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Hulk Hogan style, and he, he gets stronger by getting punched right. repeatedly. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so what do we, uh, we're watching this movie, we're watching Kung Fu, I took a couple Taekwondo classes during this era. Like everyone did. It. I Every did not. Kid. No? Nope. No. No. I did not. One I of the got, few, the proud. I got a, a chicken pox uh-huh. about uh, two weeks into my first lessons, <laughs> and then, uh, Then you have to fight the chicken pox. Oh, God, and I'm, like, bubbly underneath my gi. <laughs> <laughs> Were you actually? They should not let you in that class. No, no, no. I got. I wasn't still infectious, but oh, okay. I was. I I didn't ever want to go back because I was like still 
It took. I got it real bad. I got chicken pox. I look like one of those like codexes from the Aztecs. <laughs> you know, like when when uh, the when the uh, what was it smallpox uh-huh. hit and like decimated ninety percent of the population in North America. I look terrible. Uh-huh. I can't believe I'm not scarred. But that uh, I just did not want to do anything physical after mm. that for a while. Mm. So no more taekwondo yep. for me after my. And then right after that, I think I got nearsighted. <laughs> you know, so like. I'm covered in, in, in pox, and then I get these thick-ass glasses, <laughs> and I was like, nope. So did, you grow, did you grow up on the Oregon Trail? <laughs> did you have to ford a river? Like, what's going on? Yeah, that, and that solidified my, uh, Using maps my like cred a as an indoor kid. Yeah, that's, ah, I go. love that you but run with that you term. are now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only allergic to most things. <laughs> Oh, the guy, if anybody wants to watch a drunken boxing style, check out uh, Emmanuel Augustus. He was a, uh, like a featherweight boxer who's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's beautiful. So we'll, we'll watch these videos later. But uh, So I think to start with, start it off, yeah. uh, let's talk about Barry Gordy, mm. the producer and uh, b- brain behind this film. So Barry Gordy, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, the title of the film actually is Barry Gordy's, Barry Gordy's The Last, the Last Dragon. Dragon. Not right. if you purchase this movie on Voodoo. Oh. Then it's just The Last Dragon. But you are correct. Yeah. I would definitely call this Barry Gordy's Last Dragon because it is his fingerprints, his DNA. I mean, it's splattered a, all over this it, movie. It's almost, and I, I love a fake musical, it's almost a musical. Barely. Yes. Barely, like, but in, in the sense that the music, uh, every song, uh, moves the action further. Every single. Oh, song. it's a full narrative. The, the music is yes. a narrative for the Absolutely. entire film. Even, even the bad songs, the ones that are supposed to be bad yeah. in the movie, are actually really good. Right. Um, so for people that don't know Barry Gordy, yeah. what uh, can we say about this man? Barry Gordy was the uh, founder uh, of Motown Records uh, and all of its subsidiaries. So. Uh, He's a legend in the music business, and that was his sound. He's born and raised in Detroit. I think he's still alive, 89 years old. Um, Motown was the most profitable African American business uh, of all, like you know, for decades and decades. So he kind of set the the template or the or the groundwork for you know uh, Bob Johnson from BET, every every other record executive, Quincy Puff Jones, Daddy, Puff Daddy, right. Jay Z, Damon Dash, all these guys, Suge Knight, right. Dr. Dre. Yep. It was, uh, it was Jermaine from... Dupree. Thank Jermaine you. Shore. Yes. Yes. Master P. Oh, Master P. Everyone. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so Barry Gordy is like the god. He's the godfather of all this, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the Vito Corleone. And ultimately, his foresight was basically to use this film, capitalizing on a lot of pop culture uh, staples at the point, and pushing his music. Absolutely. I mean, we, this movie introduced everyone, or most people, to uh, the Barge family. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've also never seen a movie where they're, they just, here's a music video. I mean, let's watch this music yeah. video, They literally everybody. cut out 35, 40 minutes of this movie to show Bruce, Bruce Lee clips from other right. movies and music and the DeBarge music video. Right. Yeah. And uh, Barry Gordy is responsible for, like, you working with a lot of people when they were young, like a young Stevie Wonder, right? A young uh, Smoke, Jackson Five, Smokey young Robinson. Marvin Gaye, yep, uh, exactly. It's Smokey Robinson. So he's always had his finger on the pulse of um, like y- young uh, urban music yeah. and acts that kind of fit into that. So because I was thinking, like, who is the demographic for this movie? Like, I think this would have the sweet spot for me would have been watching this at the age of ten. 
or up until maybe 15. Right. Yeah. You know? And then as an adult, I can watch it again and, and I, I'm vibing with it. But, the, he, but it is focused towards like little kids. I, <clears throat> yes, I agree. And definitely inner city kids, specifically in New York, mm-hmm. I think that was the target demographic. Right. Because it, it was a very New York movie in a way. Yeah. Right, but um, like, but upper, like Harlem, upper, right. up, uptown. I love it's like gritty and cheap New York that uh, reminds me of like Frankenhookers and uh, uh, Basket Case uh, Basket and Case. Driller Killer. And it's not that the, those movies are uh, darker and uh, horror, but they are also they show this New York. It's like low budget mm. New York on the streets. Mm. Right. They even do that with the costume design. I think in this movie with. Especially when uh, they're in the movie theater and you see everybody who's in the movie theater. <laughs> right. Everybody just looks tough and gritty. Yeah. Everyone's got leather on. Now, <laughs> uh, tough is – that's like I, oh, I, I made a uh, – well, I mean this is just uh, a point I had was the 80s the – the, the, the visualization of 80s street toughs is so funny to me because they, no, they never look tough. Especially <laughs> the guy – Especially the guy with the pink... The halter top? The pink little... I wrote down. <laughs> yeah. like, we're going to get you. The one guy had like a just a straight-up manicured beard, and his buddy was wearing a pink tutu top, yeah. or like a halter that top. Was, like, two sizes too small. Yeah. No, man, two I'm sizes. into that. That's how you know crazy. Yeah, that's what that telegraphs to me. Crazy, I don't care about how people uh, view me. Right, uh, like a punk I'm in, rock. Uh, I'm insane, right. and I will... Uh, I'll kill you. And one of my man titties might fall out. That's right. Also, the fact, just like New York, gritty, tough, I'm just going to bust in with my boombox and just start breakdancing in the <laughs> middle of the aisle. <laughs> See, I thought they were setting up for Shogun because I, when I've shown up, when okay. I first saw the movie, I thought that that was part of his introduction, but uh, it wasn't. It no. was just a complete non-sequitur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy does the uh, Bolo Young-style stomp on the jukebox uh, and then right. Shonuff enters. Yes. The Shogun of Harlem. Shogun of Harlem. Who I think what was a, in prison before? I don't know what happened. Yeah, he says... It looked like he was just... Fre- maybe he just got fresh out. Fresh out. And maybe, because he, he does say, uh, I'm back. I'm back, yeah. Right. Where did you go? What no happened? backstory was needed. Yeah. Uh, show Nuff, played by Julius uh, Carey. This yes. was his, uh, his... The role that he'll be remembered for forever. Right. I, I don't know whether you can tell or not, but zero martial, previous martial arts training to oh, this film. zero. He's had... Z- he, he learned the choreography yeah. on set. He's I mean, just yeah. classically trained as yeah. an actor at Yale. Yes, he <laughs> I mean, none of his moves were karate-based. No. At all. No. Um, no. He just... That first shot, he just smashes the dude's head <laughs> on the stage <laughs> yeah. repeatedly. He's like Capadonna, man. He's yeah. like, my style is no style. Yeah. Check it out. But I will say... Physically able to do all of that. Sure, he was a big dude. Yeah, sure. And he imposing. And his body was an instrument. He sort of looked like the Harlem version of Gene Simmons. Yes. Ah. It's interesting because he was perfectly trained. He's trained as an actor, and then the star of this film never acted before. Never acted, and yeah. he did. And he had multiple acting coaches on set, including Barry Gordy, mm-hmm. trying to help make <laughs> his performance less wooden. Ah. And but it works for the film. Uh, the uh, Leroy's acting style because. It feels this movie is very similar to Coming to America. Yeah, mm-hmm. you want you that know? childlike innocence. It's the same. Eddie Murphy's Prince, right. is very similar it's to like, Leroy's. It's almost a fish out of water. Story. Right, it's, it is. Yeah, the uh, the original the, the person they wanted initially was uh, Billy Blanks from uh, Ta- ah. from Tybo fame, but then they figured that um, the other gentleman yeah. uh, was Tom a better Mike. fit to Mike. Yeah. Tymac. 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 There we go. We'll get it. Tymac was a better fit uh, based on his 
like the innocence and childlike uh, yeah. cherubic face. He seems so wholesome. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine him when they call cut. Uh, doing you know partying like I think he was I think he was just like did I do good did I do good okay I'll go over and meditate yeah. until you need me I think he seemed genuinely confused yeah <laughs> uh, okay so unbelievable plot holes for me are one that uh, Leroy is a born and, and raised New Yorker who has a real family who he's not an orphan which often these hero stories have right you know have a character who doesn't have ties to the community but he has a fully functional family with Seemed a black great. A f- business owning father who owns a p- p- black pizzeria, yes. which is hilarious. Yes, and for whatever reason, this very middle class dad was like, "Hey, why don't you go live on this barge with an old Chinese sensei and not learn anything about sex, dressing, or how anyone your age behaves?" Uh, to, <laughs> I, I, f- I feel you on that, but to me. <laughs> There, although he does have, uh, you know, a very nuclear family, yeah. he lives with them. They're almost, they're not almost. They're kind of a, a distant from him and a little aloof because I think they think he's weird. Sorry, don't yeah. Uh, I, they, uh, I, they're just like I let him do what he wants to do. He he can fight. That means he won't get in. If he gets into trouble, he can take care of himself. He's just a little weird. He's so like on this- the uh, the Asian spectrum. <laughs> Was was him living on? Did he live on that barge with the sensei? Was this like his parents sending him to a charter school where he feel like only comes like home his, on weekends? I feel like that was his after school program. Also, yeah. what, how old was he? They never say. Right. No I'm, idea. I was gonna guess sixteen. No, he's a, he's an adult. I think he's a very young adult. He so he's 20, super twenty one. Wow, really? With some issues, like oh, yeah. uh, you know, a failure to launch. Yeah, he's yes. like Chris Elliott right. on that old TV show. Uh, the family scene was good. Another cameo there. Rudy Huxtable. What? Keisha Knight Pulliam. There yeah. we go. I also love, and that's another thing. About only 40. I don't know her real name. She's only 40? She's only 40. Oh. She's our age. Yeah. God, uh, I was that age when she was, okay. Yeah. Uh, adorable. Um, it's adorable. Adorable. I, I, another thing about this movie is that just the, there's some details in it that just pop to me. Like, mm-hmm. Like, the family has no idea what to call this daughter. I thought that was really hilarious. Three different names. Three different names. Yes. Yeah. And the, and she is at least one. At least one years old. I was going to, yeah. I just call I mean, in my head, Rudy. Natasha was one of the names. Natasha, Sophia. Sophia. And what was the other one? Um, Lotus. Lotus. He calls her Lotus Blossom. Lotus Blossom. So. <laughs> well, right. I don't think that was her Christian name. <laughs> no. That's, well, her, that's nobody's that, Christian that's her, name. That's dude. not her government name. That's not her Christian name. Right. And that's not the name that she self-identifies as. No. I think that he just threw that out there. She's a Huxtable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty Huxtable. No? No, no. This is... Uh, Cosby Show is at the height of its popularity right. at this point. But she looks very young. It had just yeah. come out, she I think. She looks younger than she does. She um, does, right? Sure. She was so young in the beginning of the Cosby Show. That's true. Yeah. They really they grew up on set. Yeah, yeah. they really did. And, uh, yeah, so his family, you know, they're, they, uh, he's got a younger brother who's really awesome. Yes, I like their inverted relationship. The uh, precocious young man who mm-hmm. knows everything. Right. Who grew up to be Cameron. What? <laughs> Nobody knew. What? Just kidding. Oh, I was about no. to say, come on. <laughs> no, that actor, though, unfortunately uh, passed away from a botched surgery. Oh. What so kind of surgery? I don't know, uh-huh. but he fell asleep after the surgery, and they didn't uh, sew up the they, they didn't sew up the surgery wound well. Uh-huh. So he like, wow. died from malpractice. So oh, his man. parents are How's paid. that? 
Yeah. That sucks. So sad. Uh, there's a video clip I didn't finish watching because you two showed up on time. <laughs> but it was on uh, tragedies uh, around the this, The Last Dragon. Oh, because, really? Oh. Yeah, a lot of the cast has, has passed away. Um, Shonuff, <gasps> pancreatic cancer. Oh. You know, and Vanity, of course. Yeah, she died recently. Things did not go well for Vanity. No. She, uh, after her time with Prince, she was with Nikki Six. Uh-huh. Uh, from Motley Crue. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, that lasted a year. Um, a lot of drugs. Yeah. And uh, and then after that, she married a an Oakland Raider f- football team mm-hmm. guy who um, they divorced, but he ended up murdering like three people. He's in jail forever for that. Oh, so wow. she was with a murderer for a while. Then she became a born-again Christian. Because mm-hmm. why wouldn't like you Chris. after that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's a Jehovah's Witness, I think, right? Oh, yeah. I just thought he loved Jesus. He, do- I he mean, does. He was very religious, they too. They all love Jesus. They were, but I don't know what, what it is. Maybe Minnesota or that. that all, a lot of these, uh, these uh, actors and musicians from this era and that place found God in their own ways. Yeah. But she ended up uh, getting massive kidney failure from, um, from uh, drugs, mm-hmm. like destroying her organs. And then at the end, she, she became a born-again Christian burned all of her old cassettes, all of the records of her old music and stuff. So she really like self-emoliated, like got rid of all of her legacy in the entertainment. Wow. And uh, yeah. And then she eventually passed away. Wow. Sad, Sad vanity because she was so delightful in this movie. She, I think it's because she was on drugs. Yeah. Do you think <laughs> that's what made her delightful? I mean, the, her performance... Uh, in Seventh Heaven, you know, where she comes down out of the ceiling, mm-hmm. that is one of the craziest yes. performances I've, I've seen it, from uh, somebody who was extremely popular. Reminds me of uh, Reby Jackson, <laughs> uh, th- uh, who I consider her music nightmare electro funk. Oh. Uh-huh. And this is, uh, but Vanity's got, yeah, dude, she's quirky. Mm-hmm. And she grows on me the longer she's in the. The more I see her in the movie, right. but you're absolutely right. That first performance. Never was... say <laughs> never. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, you know, uh, Prince found her be- when she was on a date with uh, our man Rick James. Oh, so you know she's got the pedigree. I've been listening to a lot of Rick James actually recently. Sure. Uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting match. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like the song Rick, where Rick James uh, sings. It's like a ten minute song about him moving. A way to go to Hollywood. Uh, yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. A good journey song. Sure. Yeah. Uh, everybody out there listening, Rick James, get involved. Do it now. <laughs> Cocaine, sell of a drug. Yes. <laughs> uh, it doesn't turn out well for anybody. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> that's that's really true. Uh, Soul Glow. I thought about that, uh-huh. which uh-huh. came out later with Coming to America. Right. I wonder how much they lifted from this for Coming to America. Because I do think that there are some serious uh, connections. Mm-hmm. And then there's that You Gotta Glow, which is like a Willie Hutch song, I think. Yes. And, uh, and then that made me immediately think about Coming to America's ah. uh, Soul Glow. Wow. Eric LaSalle. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> Another great actor. Yeah. This movie's like Big Trouble in Little China meets Beat Street 2, yeah. Electric oh, like, Boogaloo. Uh, the director, Michael Schultz, directed two uh, music-themed films that year. Uh the Last Dragon and Crush Groove. Oh. There's a lot of popping and locking in this movie. I was going to write. I wrote down popping and locking so saves much, lives. It does, and it also gets you out of confinement. Yeah, that's that's what you know. That's this what is it another did. detail that popped to me. You just thought it was it so popped funny. and locked to you. I think in Mossad uh, training school, they tell you that if you get tied up, 
uh, with ropes, the appropriate strategy to get out is to pop and lock mm-hmm. until you're free. And and it, it's funny too because that was his first idea to get out of those ropes. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's not like he was like, oh, I need something to cut, or maybe I can. Nope, popping and locking. Yeah, he just, he kind of wiggled for a second. He was like, wait a minute. He's like, wait a minute, I can dance. <laughs> and then he just pops a lot, and it works. Yeah. Gangbusters. I used to go to movie theaters like the one on 42nd Street, like this one. Uh, DC had uh, like its second-run movie theaters. And this is one of those movies that I would have seen in a theater like that. Like, yeah. I remember I would, I'd get in high school, I'd get 40s and go to to the foundry in dc and watch like reservoir dogs mm. <laughs> that was always playing or blade runner they reissued it yeah. they played it there and uh so watching this movie and seeing all these guys watching that old um bruce lee film mm-hmm. made me feel like yeah this nice. is well i miss that and you know we don't have spaces like that in new york right now no you can go to film uh what is it film noir in greenpoint mm-hmm. and sometimes they play old films and you can go and drink in this like little movie theater but Nighthawk, kind same. of. A hipster Night- version of it. Yeah, but Nighthawk is like the Polished. Disney version of it. Yeah. Right, yeah. Eh, like a hipster Disney, yeah. Yeah. Not like the Foundry or the Key Theater in D.C. Or sure. the Outer Circle. Where you're just paying like, I think it was like five bucks. Yeah. You pay like half the price of admission mm-hmm. to go see a, a fun, popular yeah. movie. Well, what's that one spot in the village, in East Village? Theater. Yeah, who knows? Oh, well. It's yeah. Got, they Next, they didn't show. Uh, they're not showing this one. So, uh, I I think this movie is it, well, watching it as an adult screamed black exploitation to me. I was going to ask if that was uh, collectively the the, the the thought behind it. Mm. But but black exploitation while exploiting a whole bunch of other things too. Like, I call right. it. It's a China exploitation. Yeah. Okay. Or black exploitation. It's a exploitation film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also a uh, funk exploitation film. Yeah, yeah. It's it's exploiting <laughs> youth culture, African American culture, music culture. Uh, what uh, youth music culture? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but it it feels like all of it was done in a loving, a loving way. Uh, no one's watching yeah. this and writing a think piece about it. No. Yeah. You know, so that's that's a positive. I left the movie feeling good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. I left feeling like there's a message here, you know, be yourself and you are the master. And, uh, oh yeah. What did I like? I liked the last battle. I'll tell you that. I like, uh, less with all the kids. I like the last battle between show enough. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leroy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I like the special effects that were not great, but were totally, they totally worked. Right. You know? Just making the outline of a body glow yeah. red or green or mm-hmm. yellow. That mm-hmm. is perfect. Mm-hmm. That's all I needed to see. It reminded me of that video game Pit Fighter. Yes. Oh, yeah. Where everyone yeah. kind of glows once you get powered up. Yes. And it actually looked aesthetically almost identical to that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk about just Shonuff's style for a minute and just what he looks like? Yeah. He looks like uh, – we already yeah. said Buster Rhymes, No, and right? the Gene – well, Buster Rhymes or- actually – Played him or used him as, as a character in his video, yeah. and he he was shown enough. And he did like the whole monologue. Yeah, um, but you said Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. He definitely had Gene Simmons' hair. Someone in the film calls him, you know, Rick, Rick James. You string bean Rick James looking fool. He yeah, looks like Rick James. the younger brother. I think there's also a lot of camp in mm-hmm. in him. Uh, a lot of camp to his outfits, uh, and he was when I saw it now, he totally screamed drag. Like sure, that's a drag character. Now, it's not feminine, right? But, but like that's a big over the top 
character. Look at your hair. Look at your shoulder pads. I mean, there was You're wearing a cape <laughs> in, in the theater in his first fight. A drag. It was a transsexual. There's a, yeah, there's a there's a you know. Yeah, and, in, and not and not and, and that struck me too because they're not making fun of that. Person. No, not at all. But it was. I mean, it was agreed. It, it, it didn't seem mean. No. It just it was an She's odd part of the community. Right. She's part of the community. Like these people exist here. And if anything, yeah. they made her. You know. Seem like a good person. Exactly. She just didn't want anyone to get hurt. Right. Yeah. She's like, not his face. Don't yeah, that not face, his baby. face. <laughs> not that face, baby. Ter- terribly acted, but the message yeah. was there. Yeah. 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 Oh. That, yeah. That. Oh. <laughs> she looked at the camera and then went, oh. <laughs> exactly. Like she was waiting for yeah. cues. I mean, I guess if you watch this movie in in Ohio and you're like, is this what New York's really like? I never want my kids to move yeah. there right. and become like mutants. Right. <laughs> kung, kung fu. I kind of think that was collectively how people thought about New York and other states. Absolutely. Or like, what well, you know. When I was growing up, Detroit was another one that was automatically panned by everybody because mm-hmm. you had the Beverly Hills Cop references to Detroit, how bad Detroit was uh, over the city. So I always assumed Detroit was a shithole. Yeah, but this, uh, but uh, it paints a picture of New York as a also as just a wonderfully inclusive place <laughs> where little Chinese children uh, can hang out with white and black children, yeah. and they can all hang out with adults. Who aren't trying to sleep with them? I feel like in the eighties, it's not far off at all. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of what New York was, right? And you see that a lot in films yeah. that, from the eighties and the seventies, where young people are in New York, and it, it's very it's United Colors of Benetton. I'm going to say right. that it's more of a Manhattan thing because I feel like Brooklyn was more well, racially divided, I, and Queens definitely sense. was. But that like Manhattan, sense. everyone was right on top of each other. So right. you're on the Lower East Side, you have everybody, right? Like mm-hmm. Literally in the same building, right? But also like kids and adults hanging out and having uh, and it not being weird. That could yeah. also be that this is a kid movie, but right. but that like you know the fact that uh, Leroy is hanging out with his mm-hmm. younger brother and those younger kids are all going to this club, right? Which is for adults. Yeah, you know, yeah. like Vanity is an adult, and yeah. this and uh, and Leroy's brother is I don't know what like twelve. I'm gonna say at the most maybe fourteen. <laughs> yeah, he was most. sexually. Yeah. Uh, a- Awakened yes. at this point. Yeah, but he's but it's New York. Yeah, right. that's true. Yeah. Why did Shonuff have such a hard time finding Leroy? He knew <laughs> he knows where he lives, knows where he works, knows he's where his ninja. parents. He's a ninja. I guess so, but he's pretty pretty trackable. True, he's got that big hat. Yeah, he goes. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah, he goes to their. You know, Shonuff, That scene was ridiculous, by the way, uh, when they destroy the, uh, uh, the Greens dungeon. Pizza. Oh yeah. Direct your pizza to Greens Pizza. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was wholly unnecessary. Uh, it made me. He's a bully. Yeah, I and the was way upset. they did it was hilarious. I, was like, I just picked you... up a chair. And it picked up a chair, and then he crushed the yeah. the, the cheese gets... and salt shaker with, Cause, his, cause with his bare hands. Mama hit him with dough in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you know they're all in the same neighborhood. And, oh, and Pe- also, people didn't have a hard time finding Big L. Also, and just about that about <laughs> right that in front of his house. pizza scene, the only one fighting back is the mother. Yeah, yeah, she's Mama Bear. Yeah. Protecting her cubs. And that, Dad was a little bitch-like. A little bit. Uh, but I, I think that goes for kind of almost every woman in the film who's got lines. They all have they all have kind of a little bit of agency. Right. Uh, Vanity is the one who is pursuing right. Roy. Uh, Angela Varocco, who She's the moral compass of this film. She is the moral compass, and she completely deserves her redemption at the end. Right. Which she, one is she? Is she the Cindy Lauper lady? She, yes. Which character was directly based off of Cindy Lauper? Yeah, really? 100%. Yeah, yeah they, they wrote it down. So she is, uh, yeah, I was going to say. Who is she? Her, uh, what, what I like is her speech with uh, Eddie Arcadian. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
as oh, a, yeah. halfway through. You're yes, from you know? Kew Gardens, and we, you're getting by on my tits. I, yeah. Yes, I love Kew Gardens, that was a good. by the way. I lived in Kew Gardens <laughs> when I first moved to New York. What a wonderful place. It's a wonderful place. Is Eddie Arcadian a metaphor for... Did, did uh, Barry Gordy write a bad manager and think, this is everything that people think I am, but I'm not? Or it's like David Geffen. You know, because... Oh, that's interesting. Just because uh, if Barry Gordy's fingerprints are all over this... And he helped shape all of these people's careers, right? As a young, uh, when they were younger, and then he like let them go, I guess. But you never know. Like with business, every manager is is uh, there's a parasitic element to the relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's like, was he holding artists back from who they wanted to be when they were under Motown? Yeah. Is that what Eddie Arcadian uh... is doing? Because Eddie is he's got a uh, Rocky Rock. Mm-hmm. Who I thought was Danny Aiello, but <laughs> he's that guy that looks star. like Danny yeah. Aiello that's in every other movie, right. Dumb and Dumber, and all those other films. Always plays a, a, a tough guy. Yeah, but he he's he in, has uh, these bodyguard. He's got this stable of people that he thinks are talented, but then instead of letting them flourish in their talents, he's kind of mm-hmm. holding them back by creating this like mobbed right. up bully vibe around them. So Rock is never going to be the champion boxer because he's his bodyguard. Right, mm-hmm. can't have two jobs. Two focuses. Yeah, and, and our and our uh, Cindy Lauper lady, Angela, Angela is never going to be the hit because uh, having Eddie like push her onto people is mm-hmm. off. It's off putting. I mean, they had to kidnap someone <laughs> to get her video show. She was, and her like, videos are fucking awesome. Pretty, pretty solid, incredible. <laughs> pretty solid lack of talent, though. I would say yeah. it's not. It's not beat around the bush dude, here. They are really funny. Like I would watch a parody album of new wave hits. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, were, that would all be like her. Like that's like Weird Al Yankovic level. Yeah. Like parodies of what's happening. Satire. And that's right. the example of the those. Songs are supposed to be bad. Oh, yeah. But they are fantastic. Fantastically bad. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Worth the watch, for sure. And I think people would like her, uh, like, Vanity would like her hanging out at Seventh Heaven mm-hmm. on her own. Right. If she was going on her own without having a manager, like, sort of push her, it would have worked out for her. So I have, I have a question, and I kind of thought this watching the film. Uh, <laughs> are the two main uh, villains... Just kind of misunderstood a little bit, maybe like <laughs> oh, okay intentioned, <laughs> like Thanos. Like I, I guess Thanos I don't know. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I just felt like you know Eddie Arcane kind of wanted to make her star, liked her, went about it the wrong way, was kind of an idiot and a bit of a bully, like a but, very but small I, bully. But I don't think he did it for her. Of course not. I just wanted to see see what you guys thought. Yeah, no. Also, show enough. All he wanted to do was just assert his dominance, and he he wanted one fight. But he's really violent. Sure. Like he, he, Minus the fact that Eddie Arcanian was clearly a physically and mentally abusive human being yeah. towards women. Um, but show enough, I thought, was just trying to, you know, just, she just wanted that one fight. All of that other stuff could have been, you know, uh, but it seemed like alleviated he wa- if, he, if he just fought him once. <laughs> he wanted that one fight, but it seemed like he didn't want to, want to just beat Leroy. He wanted to get rid of Leroy. It became increasingly uh, uh-huh. more violent, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I think the lesson that that we learned uh, by the end of the film is that there is no sensei. You are the master. And Leroy could have uh, beat Shonuff up in the first encounter, and it would have been as meaningful as beating him up in the last encounter. Right, that's true. Because uh, there's no reason for him to have been nonviolent. And I don't understand why... uh, Does Leroy make any money off of his karate school? 
Yeah, I thought, Doesn't look I like it. I never thought that until I watched it last night. I was like, do all these kids pay? Like, he's got a lot of students. Right. Does he and have his own apartment? that place is not big. I mean, it's not small. Yeah. The, the dojo's not small. Because, like, and the reason I bring that up is, like, you made me think about it, which Shonuff shows up at the dojo, mm-hmm. and he's asking Leroy to fight him right there and then. What better demonstration of your style than to get into an exhibition match with the head of another dojo? But yeah. he just told all those kids, God save me if I ever have to use my art. Yeah, but that, that's also, you got you got to use it when it's uh, applicable and it seemed like the right time. Yeah, what is I the point so. of learning a martial art if you're never going to That's the worst. I feel like I, his... I thought that too. His class would have tripled in size by next week if he had actually that's, done that's what he needed to do there. True. Yeah, and this makes me want to watch the new uh, Karate Kid show on YouTube right now. Uh, Cobra Kai. <laughs> Cobra Kai? Yeah. 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 So I always feel like it's great. Use use your skill. Show off why you're why you're when it's needed, matters. which it clearly was at that exact moment. There's no better uh, yeah. <laughs> platform for you to if somebody walks into your karate your skills than at your karate class that's being threatened. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's not and your on a subway. Safety. You're not in a. You haven't both like entered a kindergarten class with a bunch of soft skulled kids that might get hurt. <laughs> you're. <laughs> it is a dojo. Yeah, that's true. right. Yeah. Uh, also, another uh, homage to Bruce Lee in his his uh, banana suit. Yeah. Is oh yeah. Suit? I mean, they they took that suit directly from directly, him. Yeah. yeah. I think it might might have been the same one, which was also ah. used in Kill Bill <laughs> yes. when uh, oh, right, when yeah. our when our girl Uma the Thurman, uh-huh. yeah, the bride fights the uh, crazy eighty eight. Yes. One of the best fight scenes in all of and martial arts history. Uh, yeah. Oh man. Oh, uh, not to go off on a tangent, but I learned something about that fight scene. Please tell me. Uh, so you know how halfway through that fight scene it switches to black and white? Yes. Wait, which fight scene? In, in Kill Bill. Oh, okay. Uh, it switches to black and white because, and it seems kind of arbitrary when you're watching the film, like why is it in black and white all of a sudden? It just doesn't make sense because he doesn't do that anywhere else in the film. Uh, but the, he, he showed the film to the censors and the censors were like, oh, no, this scene is far too bloody. Too red. Too red. Like, there's too much blood. You're either going to have to cut the whole thing out or reshoot it. The color red really freaks out the censors. I guess so. Yeah. And he was like, I can't do that. And this is awesome. What if I just make it black and white? And he just made it black and white and showed it to them. And they were like, hmm, that's okay. Yeah, that's better. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like Psycho. Mm. You watch Psycho, they used Hershey's syrup in the... Uh, Oh yeah, because in black scene. and white it translates as blood. Uh, yeah, but yeah. if they'd shot that in uh, in uh, color, like, oh yeah, they would never have gotten it, especially like, back then. Yeah, never would have cleared. Why it. is she bleeding chocolate sauce? <laughs> I now want to see that new Tarantino mm, movie delicious. with the guy that plays Bruce Lee. Oh, uh, once the, upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, and the tra- trailers, he looks he's perfect at it. Yeah. yeah well, uh, after I watched this movie, I listened to some DeBarge. Mm. Got got into it. Big fan. You know, every time I heard that song, the uh, the rhythm, the mm-hmm. rhythm song, the, I, I thought that that was a Gloria Stefan song. Rhythm of sure. the Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> she's got one called, like, Rhythm is Gonna Get You. Rhythm is Gonna yep. Get You. Yeah. Well, rhythm of the Night is a different song. Rhythm of the Night, Rhythm is Gonna Get You. <laughs> ha. Now they're in your head. It's the same song. Yeah, I mean, that DeBarge <laughs> song was uh, definitely echoed throughout my childhood. Feel good. It's a feel good track. Yeah, it is. Oh, God. Chico DeBarge is an interesting looking man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He looks kind of like if Michael Jackson and Vanity ran f- full speed into each other. Right. 
And, or and kind of like Michael Jackson as he was transforming into the werewolf. Right. Like, <laughs> like at the halfway point. Um, the, the music, again, is, is first and foremost in, the, in this movie. Yep. Uh, but almost to a fault, because there's just some times where the music is just like too on the nose. Like right. When he first goes to the Sumdum Goy... Some dumb goy, by the way. By the way. Sounds like a Jewish writer was just talking about like what you know, a, a Jewish dad would say about his daughter's like Gentile boyfriend. <laughs> you go to some dumb goy. Some dumb goy. Where you, where you order a cream of some young guy. <laughs> but, the, but the song that's playing in that scene, uh, I don't know if you know the lyrics, but it's, it's totally offensive. It's sukiyaki hot sakisu. Yeah. yeah. Sock it to me. I'll sock it to you. Yeah. Uh, That's because I, I feel like it, Asian culture was so easily attacked that, by everyone at that point. It was, like, was fun to make fun, of. make fun of. And you get Asian people making same. fun of the exact same thing but in this movie. Yes. You know? Making fun of the exact same thing, but making fun of a, a African-American yeah. character who's doing an Asian stereotype. Right. It's just mind-boggling. <laughs> I mean... You can, That's people right. still get away with that today yeah. in, in film and television. Well, you look when at it comes like, to Asian uh, stereotypes. Yeah. The 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 most successful civil rights um, battles were being fought by African Americans, mm. but uh, Mexican Americans, Asian Americans, uh, they were all looking to also um, increase their visibility. Mm-hmm. And it's like African American, what is the is the coolest subculture? Yes. So everyone else is appropriating African American styles, mm. like the the Chicano movement took the Brown Berets after right. the, mm. they became the Brown Berets after watching the Black Panthers, right. and the Young Lords, the Puerto Rican youth group, also was like, "Oh, look at what the Black Panthers are doing! Mm. Like, we need to affect some of this to get the same cred." Mm. So I'm looking at these like Asian uh, actors, like co-opting the, like the Black Jive, yeah, and um. But then also, like, Asian culture was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, when you, like, everyone is watching Bruce Lee because they're like, this is a, this is the um, antidote to, like, American action heroes. Right. And, uh, and it's always, whenever you've got cultural, uh, like, whatever, cross-pollination, it's always, it's always messy. Mm. You know? It's always messy. And I was like, you brought up that, uh, Sammy, you brought up, like, what's going on with, um, with stereotypes at that time. And it's like there were still a lot of veterans that were uh, alive from fighting uh, World War II. Mm. And like Japan, I feel like Japan in the 80s was like the easiest uh, racist target for humor mm. uh, or Asian culture in general. Yeah. But like you'll watch like uh, what Revenge of the Nerds. In like America that, like, specifically, yeah. In, in the U.S. Yeah, of course. Like Asian culture was like uh, or like um, there's movies like Gun Ho. Yeah, which yeah. is about uh, the car industry, yeah. and the American car, like uh, blue collar hard hat, is like anxious right. about Japanese competition. Mm. So, uh, Pat Morita, yes, uh, one of our greatest '80s Asian actors ever, uh, would not take a role unless he got to do a funny Asian accent. Really, he would not do it. <laughs> Unless he got a chance to do that, which is really interesting. Why? I wonder yeah, why. Why? Yeah, why? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. 
He couldn't just be like a professor at MIT. No, he didn't want to do it. You know, he couldn't be like a like a like a pull yourself up by your bootstraps independent <laughs> lawyer in Philadelphia. He's like, if I'm not selling somebody a gremlin in this fucking picture, I am not doing it. Right. I love the gremlin actor. <laughs> yeah. He is in everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Shout out! Shout outs to Asian actors who yeah. uh, do funny voices. I'm a big. He's like fan. the anti Peter Dinklage. <laughs> Peter Dinklage wouldn't take like some sort of demeaning role for uh, for dwarves or little people, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. But he's but he has played demeaning little people before. Has he? Uh, he isn't he in that Steve Buscemi movie where Steve Buscemi's trying to make that film? Uh, what's the name of that movie? He, I know it's not called Permanent Darkness. No. I can't think of the name of the film, but it's Steve Buscemi plays this indie act, uh, indie director, and he's trying to make this film. And Peter Dinklage is in it. Uh, Peter Dinklage is in it playing a a little person, but he's mad about it. Right. Okay. That makes, uh, so I, that's that, meta. So he's commenting little, on yes, it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to look that up, indie film. But uh, while I do that, what uh, what final thoughts on this movie? Cedric? Oh, uh, sure. Um... This movie holds a lot of nostalgia for me. Sure. Uh, so I'm going to say it. It's a 10. But I hadn't seen it in years. Uh, and now that we live in the 21st century, after Me Too, everyone's a little politically uh, aware. It did strike me as problematic in some parts. Let's pause for a second. Sure. What is the Me Too part? Maybe I was uh, oh, I, well, taking notes instead I just of thought watching that, that moment. that this movie, because there's only three women in this movie who who have speaking parts this movie this, this movie does not pass the Bechdel test uh-huh. uh huh uh there's some uh, sexual objectivity for sure there's some sexual objectivity purple rain style Com- complete misogyny uh but all the, but the, some of the women do have a little bit of agency, so I was just paying attention to that. Yes, just, just not no one was touching anybody inappropriately. Sure, um, but just the the fact that women didn't didn't have a lot of say or didn't have a lot of agency as much as the other um, characters did. Mm-hmm. But but still, this movie is a lot of fun. If you've never seen this movie, I highly highly recommend it, especially if you love music. So that's my final thought. Go see this movie. Yeah. Anywhere you can. The Steve Buscemi movie is called Living in Oblivion. Thank you, Living in Oblivion. All right. Side note. <laughs> um, I mean, this movie, again, as far as nostalgia is concerned, I mean, it was, you know, I'd seen it several times as a kid. Enjoyed watching it then. It's, And I think especially based on, like, the social, social climate now, I think it's kind of good to watch something like this and uh-huh. sort of just understand that people make fun of each other's differences at the same time without being mean or menacing about it. And there's no hate behind it. It's just kind of funny. So I, th- I feel like it's okay. It's a, it's, it's a good watch now. I think, I think it would, it's enjoyable. I mean, it's a tough sell based on the quality of the movie and how into movies you are. And it's very hokey and campy, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's well worth a watch. It's like a, it's a cultural timepiece. Absolutely. And that's, that's how I would recommend it. I mean, if you haven't seen it, I, there's so many of these movies. It's like, if you haven't seen them, you should see them. Like, you know, that's why we're talking there's, about exactly. There's good <laughs> qualities about it. If it was a waste of everyone's time, right. we wouldn't Look, be talking about it. You do a triple feature, okay? Mm-hmm. First, you smoke some PCP. Okay, you got to get wet. Then <laughs> I've never heard that expression before. <laughs> then you're gonna you're gonna watch uh, you're gonna watch Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, Bong. Mm-hmm. Then you're gonna oh. watch you're gonna watch uh, Ghost Dog. What? Yeah, you're gonna watch. You're gonna watch these movies. I thought you were gonna say Ghost Dad. Gabe's doing his own call and response. Yeah, he, yes, yes. 
with the, you're going to watch these with your 10-year-old kid. <laughs> your 10-year-old son and your 10-year-old daughter, okay? You're going to call her Lotus Blossom. Son. Son. You can call him Leroy Bruce. <laughs> Bruce. He's going to be like, it's Bruce Leroy. I'm going to say, I'm your dad. It's Leroy Bruce. You be kid. quiet. Lotus All Blossom's right. son was culturally off, too. It's like you're Chinese, you're calling her Lotus oh, Blossom, that, and then I, you're using a Japanese I noticed that surname, too. or you know, whatever that... I uh, noticed that, too, yeah. And he calls everybody in his family son. Yeah. Papa-san, Mama-san, Richie-san. So he's, just, he's just, uh, just Asianally confused. He just loves... He just, you know what? And that's another thing. And not to, I'm sorry. But that's another thing that I noticed <laughs> is that... That growing up uh, in the 80s and the 90s as a young black person, yeah, sometimes you wish you weren't black. Well, or just, that was my experience. It's not that I wasn't proud to be black, just sometimes I w- it would be easier if I was something I else. I could see a little self loathing in, in the character. Absolutely. 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 So that's I, a good they point. They don't bring that up enough. Yeah. They the don't other bring thing that is, you know enough. what's creepy? White dudes that are way too into Asian culture. Always, White dudes, always that, fucking weird dudes. Exclusively <laughs> date Asian women. So do uh, uh, ex-military dudes. Seems like they love it. Uh, love it. What? Oh, that's that's that, deep that, right there. That demure, submissive nature. I think that they, you know, the stereotype that's been perpetuated. I feel like they buy into it. Yeesh. So wow, I just said a lot. You did say a lot, but here we are. We're we're smoking PCP. Oh, we're right. watching Big Trouble <laughs> in Little China. We're watching Ghost Dog. I want to see a sequel where a young, where uh, an older uh, Bruce Leroy meets a younger ghost dog. Oh. You know? I feel like that could be a meeting of the worlds where a kung fu master meets a samurai in Flatbush. <laughs> That's actually not bad at all. I, come at me. Yo, Barry Gordy. Just a, just a battle scene at a jerk chicken spot? <laughs> yeah. Get your – the RZA is going to do the soundtrack oh, that would be to this. F- excellent. Yes. We're going to get J.Ru the Damager in there somewhere, mm-hmm. too, because I feel like... Or Afura. Let's throw all these guys why in not? there. Sure. Yeah, why not? And then uh, we... So, yeah, so we're going to watch that. We're going to watch Karate Kid. And then uh, after we watch those three movies, we'll put this on. We'll dance to DeBarge. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, is a great, this is a great time capsule for uh, New York in the 80s, mm-hmm. what was happening in electro-funk. It's a great movie if you like music. I, I really, you know, if anything, the only ding I give it is that it's like, I'm just a little too old for it at this point. Agreed. You know, I would have loved it if I'd seen it when I was 12. Yeah. Uh, uh, how old are you guys? You're 40? 40? Yep. I'm two years younger than you guys, and I yeah. don't, I, I, I don't, I, I don't think I'm too old for it. <laughs> yeah. I think for the first time to see it, because I didn't have that emotional connection right. to it. I guess right. So, it's yeah. like when I tried to watch Big Trouble in Little China with like people like two years ago that had never seen it. Uh-huh. They're like, what? And I was like, oh, but you didn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's impossible. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think you have to. Uh, it helps if you have these connections to that mm-hmm. era. It's like showing somebody a comedy that you love and then you kind of like want them to pay attention to like certain funny stuff that you think is funny it just right. ruins the whole experience for everybody <laughs> <laughs> but i give this uh i give this movie um you know as a as a cultural artifact mm-hmm. i give it eight out of ten chopsticks mm-hmm. oh I, I would give it nine out of uh ten shuttered sunglasses <laughs> i would give it ten uh, nine out of ten football <laughs> bad shoulder pads <laughs> That are tied with pretty red string. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Show enough, man. Show enough. Show enough. Who's the greatest? Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us this week. And uh, as always, I'm Gabe Pacheco, and you can find my album, Risky Behavior, wherever albums are, can be found. And if you like, eat, pray, judge. 
please make sure to give us a five star review and uh, on Apple Music. Um, Cedric, is there anywhere that people can find you? People can find me in the South Bronx, <laughs> chilling. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at said dog. Oh, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> said dog at Instagram. Uh, and uh, I'm also a story pirate, so I might be in your child's classroom teaching them how to write. <laughs> yeah, not doing kung fu moves. Not doing kung fu moves or <laughs> singing about body oil or roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That is, uh, was a great reference. Yeah. Yes. That's my favorite line in the whole movie. Uh-huh. Well, I like the line where he's like, you gotta, you gotta uh, wine them and dine them and uh, let them order off the a la carte. Yeah! <laughs> Yeah. It's how you treat women, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I learned everything from Eddie Arcane. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, go ahead. No, no, please. No, I was just going to say thank you. For oh, no, thank, you for, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for so the recommendation. Absolutely. Yeah. Sammy, anything? Uh, not at the... Not right now. <laughs> soon, soon enough. <laughs> All right, everybody. We got big things cooking here at E-Pray Judge yep. that we can't tell you about. That's true. <laughs> oh, really? Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye.